0: Friends, this morning, we are looking at the very next to last passage in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is giving us warnings about deception, how we are deceived by others and how we can deceive ourselves. So with that in mind, let's study the word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray, amen. So if you were here last week, you know that that Jesus was talking about the narrow way, the narrow gate, and it was an important topic for him to cover, especially in light of what he's about to talk about this morning. Last week, Jesus defined for us what is sure, what is certain, what is truth. And it's only when you know the truth that you can quickly and clearly identify what is false, what is not truth. Beware of false prophets, Jesus says, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now, there are all kinds of false prophets. There's a cosmetic industry, a weight loss industry, a security industry. All of them make promises that are false unless you truly think that I do look like Meghan Markle this morning. But we know, we know that these are false because if they actually worked, if they actually did exactly what was promised, they'd go out of business and stop making money. But for Jesus, the stakes are much, much higher. He's not worried about wrinkle creams or computer antiviruses. In his Sermon on the Mount, he's just preached about the narrow way that leads to eternal life. That's big stuff that he's talking about. And what he's concerned about in this section is that that all of a sudden, after he makes this pronouncement about how to get eternal life, that there's going to be all of these false prophets offering a, a cheaper salvation or false promises for the life to come. Martin Luther, the great reformer, once said that the Lord knew that wherever God builds a church, The devil will build a saloon or a tavern on the side of it. So, how do we go then about determining who are these false prophets? Jesus said, You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, and the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Well, what are these fruits that we're talking about? We know we know it's not grocery store stuff, and we might vaguely remember back in the day learning about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There it is. But at the heart of this fruit is, is not just knowing what Jesus said in his sermon. Because lots of people can know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's the actual doing it part that we have to think about. And that's exactly why we started this series in the first place, because there was this claim put out there that, that Christians actually hate the Sermon on the Mount which indicated to me that, that either Christians didn't know what was in the Sermon on the Mount, That's, that was my great hope, that maybe Christians just didn't know, or that they did know and they really did hate it. Because every one of the fruits of the Spirit that I just mentioned, is demonstrated by living out all of these new actions that were introduced to us by Jesus as alternatives to continuing in a vicious cycle of sin. So for example, all the way back in chapter five, Jesus taught us, let our yes be yes and our no be no. So essentially, when we say that we are going to do something, we follow through on it. We have a short-term mission team headed out in a couple weeks. The kids are going to go down to Jamaica. And every time I send out a short-term mission team, particularly out of the country, one of the things that I say to the entire team is, do not say, we'll be back soon. Do not make a promise if you do not intend to keep it, especially when you are dealing with people's lives. So don't make promises that you won't keep. So as we look for the fruit and profits, one way that we can test their validity is by checking to see if they come through on the things that they said that they were going to do. That's a faithfulness issue. It's very easy to say things, everybody can say things, it's much harder to actually do them. Or how about love your enemies? If someone goes around reminding everyone to love their enemies but then hates their own neighbors, that's a problem. That's a false prophet. It's not just a problem of them saying one thing and, and doing another. It's deeper than that. Those of you that know anything about science know that that you don't get to the fruit of a tree unless you actually have a tree to begin with. You have to have the tree first, which means that there are people that can stand around all day long and they can quote scripture. That doesn't mean that they know Jesus Christ on a personal level. And preachers can preach all day long, but it is only by God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that can plant the word of God in your heart. And it also means that unless God comes first in Jesus Christ, then all of the works in the world, fasting, pilgrimage, mission, all of them are in vain. Jesus also wants us to understand that a false prophet is anyone, anyone who even attempts to block your access to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, this is a distinct theological understanding from our Reformed viewpoint. But Martin Luther, whom I quoted earlier, when preaching this passage and in his time, he was actually preaching this passage against the Pope as a false prophet. Luther was making the case That anyone who contradicts the word of God is a false prophet. And two of the greatest false prophecies, said Luther, that he railed against, and this is how we got the Reformed tradition, were the ideas, one, that you could work your way into heaven, and that your prayers would only be effective if they were mediated through the saints that you do not have direct access to God and that you need to go through somebody else to make sure that your prayers are heard. Theologically, though, Jesus Christ came into the world as God with us. He is our direct access to the Father. Now, it's not that you shouldn't do good works, but your faith should be the motivator that propels and compels you to serve, Because at the end of the day, it is going to be those who rest solely on the grace of Christ alone who find eternal glory, so says the scripture. Likewise, it's not that the saints weren't good people, but Jesus Christ made it clearly known that he is our mediator before the Father and he is the only mediator that we will ever need. Now I don't have the standing of Martin Luther to be able to judge the prophecy of Pope Francis. But Luther's point was not was never about the person. He was not directing it at a single person. His point was that anyone who professes anything that is contrary to scripture could likely be a false prophet. Case in point those who preach that if you just pray hard enough, if you just have enough faith, you'll get exactly what you want. Well, we know that that is a dangerously false prophecy. And here's how we know this. Ask yourself this question. Could you walk into a children's hospital and with an absolutely clear conscience Walk up to a grieving set of parents who have just lost their child. Look them straight in the face and tell them that if they had only had more faith, if they had just prayed harder, that their child would be walking home with them. False prophets and false prophecy are dangerous because they seduce people into a false sense of reality and a false sense of security. And the way that we as the church go about understanding false prophecy is by looking at our scripture first. I know that you all think I have a responsibility every Sunday to get up here and preach, and I do have that responsibility, but you do know that you have a responsibility too, and that responsibility is to be in the word and to be studying the scripture, and when I have those moments and if you're preaching every Sunday, you're going to have these moments every once in a long while. If I'm preaching something that goes against the word of God, it's your job. It's your job as the body of Christ to say, hold up, Hope. We've got to talk about that. We've got to go back in that scripture. We've got to look at that. That's your job as the church, not just for me, but for all kinds of preaching and teaching that you hear. The only way that you will be able to discern what is not of the word of God is if you study the word of God to begin with. Now, it's one thing to be deceived by others, but Jesus also warns us against self-deception, which is a dangerous trap that most of us at some point fall into. Here's the good news. Grace can get you out of it. Jesus Christ can get you out of it, but it takes time. And self-deception can be small things like changing your hair color or wearing clothes that are totally inappropriate for your age as you try to delude yourself into feeling younger or older. But it can also be things like denying our vices. So you might be able to claim that you're responsible with your money. Well, your bank account, your credit card statements, they will tell the tale. And you can profess that that it was just an innocent online conversation with a married woman, but the hotel receipts will reveal a different story. Likewise, you can claim to be a person of extraordinary faith, but ultimately God will be the judge of it and in the meantime the rest of us will see it in your daily living. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many deeds of power in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. And what's so, so tricky about this passage is that from the perspective of ordinary people, it seems like the many did the right thing. Prophecy, cast out demons, do many deeds of power. That must have been an incredible show. In fact, there's a whole whole business of religion that capitalizes on show business, entertainment, huge, grand gestures, public faith healings, loud, important announcements from loud, important people. And Jesus wants to be absolutely clear about this. Anybody, anybody can put on a show. But what Jesus asked us is to love our enemies, to serve our neighbors, to follow his commandments, go out into the world and proclaim the good news in ways that lead to transform lives and turn people into and, and turn people into leading them towards a peaceful, love-filled, grace-filled, mercy-filled kingdom here on earth. When I was first ordained, I was, I was an associate pastor, and uh, 23 years old, and, and my biggest role, my, my biggest visible role in the life of the church was that every Sunday morning, I got to get up and I got to lead the prayers of the people. So each week, I would spend hours writing out these beautiful prayers, and at first, it was because I, I didn't want to let God down. Like this, this was it, this was, this was the big show and I was gonna stand up there on Sunday mornings and, and I was gonna deliver these beautiful prayers and I was gonna show God and show all these people that, that this 23-year-old knew what she was, she was doing so I'd spend hours and hours and hours on this. And, and after a while, a very curious thing happened. People would stop and speak to me after the service and they would comment on my prayers. They liked them so much that they would request copies of them to send to their friends. Well, one time, a gentleman, this was an elderly gentleman, he, he was speaking to me in the presence of the senior pastor. And, um, you know, sometimes when we're hard of hearing, we speak a little bit louder than we think. Um, we're, we're speaking, and he says to me, he's like, you know, I don't come here for the pastor's sermons, I come here for your prayers. So that was super uncomfortable for the rest of the day. And then one day, a group of the Presbyterian women approached me, and they asked if I'd ever considered writing a book on prayer. And, and at 23, all of this was pretty heady stuff. I was, I was pretty darn awesome. Problem was, that then I started writing prayers to impress the people. And I, and I tried to write what the people wanted to hear so that they would love it and in turn keep coming back at the end of the service and telling me what a great job I had done. And, and it worked out okay for, for a little while. But then two things happened. One was that I felt this extremely heavy burden each week. Now now I'd be spending hours and hours and hours trying to figure out what was most going to impress the, the people and, and make them happier. And the more that happened, the emptier I began to feel because it, it finally dawned on me that this was no longer about God. I was no longer praying to God. I was praying so that everyone could hear what an amazing writer I was. I said all the right words. I did all the right things. And Sunday after Sunday, I would go home empty. So that's when I decided to stop writing my prayers. And things changed quite a bit because that meant that that when I stood up to pray, now there would be no time for me to concoct these perfectly worded, beautifully written prayers. All that was going to come out of my mouth was an authentic overflow of the heart. And let me tell you that your pastor is far less eloquent when I do not have time to prepare. Jesus is not interested in our show. He cares very little about your Keep Christ in Christmas bumper sticker or your What Would Jesus Do bracelet. I highly doubt that when Jesus returns, it is going to be on a large stage with a fog machine and laser lights. It seems to me that he would be much more interested in someplace like Turning Points or Dream Oaks or anywhere that the least of these are being cared for. As I think about this latest school shooting, and how terrible is it that I have to say this latest school shooting, I cannot handle one more post on social media about everyone's thoughts and prayers. This, coming from a minister, I cannot handle that. When you go back and you look at this passage, posting, posting that is like getting to glory and claiming that you actually did something about it. You did not. And so we need to stop pretending otherwise. In the Gospel of John, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And when Peter says yes, Jesus says, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. Three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Because he wanted Peter to understand how serious this question was. And so one day when we stand before the throne of grace, God's gonna ask us, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you believe in me? And when we say yes, When we say yes, the next question is Did you feed my sheep? Did you tend my lambs? Did you protect your marriage? Did you love your kids? Did you do what you said you were going to do? He's never going to ask you how many solos you sang in church services. He's never going to ask you how many times your name appeared in the attendance registry. He's not going to ask you if you can name all the books of the Bible. So let us not deceive ourselves or let others deceive us into thinking that the Sermon on the Mount was nothing but a few good words said by a very good man and collected in a pretty good book. These are transformative words. They lay out the foundation of our faith of which Jesus Christ alone is the cornerstone. If you believe that, and only you and God know if you truly do, then you will build your life on his word, trusting in his grace, following all that he has taught you, even when the alternative seems deceptively more attractive. Let's pray together. Holy God, we, we confess that we are great at deception. We can deceive our own selves like nobody's business. And we're attracted to the deception of others who make false promises. So we pray, Lord, that, that you would help us to be strong in the word. That we would be people who study the word, who look to scripture for guidance, for guidance who are able to route out those false prophets and to call them out and correct them when necessary. Lord, help us to be people of the Word, who know the Word, speak the Word, and do the Word. In your name we pray. Amen.